We talking rom-com, we talking action, we talking drama and movie classics. Whatever you want, yo, we have it. Cause we talking movies on a podcast. So I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So I married a film critic. Hey honey, I just wanna so talk I about the movie like casually. Critic. You don't have to so bring up married- cinematography. Honestly, let's just talk about like how the characters were fun. Married a film critic. So I married a film critic. So I married a film Welcome to So I Married a Film Critic. It's me your co-host Julia, with my film critic husband. Hey, how you doing, everybody? We're talking about Night of the Living Dead, uh, which is perfect for the month of October. Hopefully, we'll we'll, uh, get this on the air at the appropriate time. If you're listening to this in December, something has gone horribly wrong. Or not. Or you could just like horror yeah. movies. Yeah, you know that that would be me. I mean, I watched, <laughs> I'd watch Night of the Living Dead in, in December, February, whenever, Labor Day. Well, let's tell our lovely listeners why we watched this movie. Um, We were sitting on the couch and I said, hey, do you want to watch something? And you said, I have homework to do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, I'm teaching a class at the University of Hawaii Maui College. The class is horror cinema. And this week uh, we're dealing with uh, predominantly independently made horror films, uh, two films in particular of the 60s that are very influential, very important. And I love these movies. One is Carnival of Souls and the other is Night of the Living Dead. So I suggest, can we watch one of these tonight? You would actually be saving me some time. So, you know, get to do my homework. And you remembered that we saw Carnival of Souls in the movie theater about a year or so ago, and it was the Rift Tracks version of it. And I remember walking out of the theater with you and you're like, Oh my God, I could not have imagined watching that without the riff tracks. That was terrible. So clearly we weren't going to watch Carnival of Souls, but you have never seen Night of the Living Dead. And I thought, well, you know, it's it's a really great film in addition to being scary and a zombie movie and influential. And I figured, you know, just, you know, I'm never going to ask you to watch this with me again. I'll beg, but, you know, I know it's not going to go anywhere. But, like, I love that you watch this with me tonight because, yeah, I, I do know this movie really well. Um, you know, I, I grew up with it. I love this film. But I did want to watch it before class. I want to be ready to talk about it with my students and see some things that I had noticed before. How many times have you seen this movie? At least 10. Wow. Yeah, at least 10 times. But I'll tell you what, though, um, not to make this a plug for the Criterion Collection, but it's never looked this good. Um, I've had, I haven't had a chance to throw the disc on since I purchased it. And like it looked really good and clear. I'm used to this movie being all scratchy and splotchy and kind of blurry. Um, the short version of it, this movie is in public domain, so there are so many versions of it out there, and most of them are not cleaned up. Most of them look really bad. Uh, this is the first time I've seen it, and I've really actually found myself invested in the performances, and I could actually hear most of the dialogue. It was a very um, cheaply made film. Um, not, no disrespect, it was a low-budget indie, but nevertheless, you know, it, it it wasn't done with state-of-the-art equipment then, <clears throat> and time hasn't been kind to it until the Criterion folks cleaned this movie up. And yeah, watching it with you tonight, I was really, I, I don't, it really did feel like seeing it for the first time. Well, we um, we've talked about this movie, and you've always kind of done the line for me from the beginning. They're coming to get you, Barbara. <laughs> Which I'm like, okay, well. Now you know what that's from. That's fun. <laughs> Johnny. You're still afraid. Stop it now. I mean it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it. You're ignorant. 
They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it. You're acting like a child. They're coming for you. Look, there comes one of them now. So we watched Night of the Living Dead. Oh my gosh. There's the title. <laughs> forgot. We're doing this too late. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. And um, I was surprised because I feel like I had already seen it, but I had never seen it all the way through. I've seen the first part and you told me the ending, unfortunately, years ago. You know, I never thought you'd see it. So <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's a really amazing ending. Let me tell you what happens. I never thinking you would ever watch this with me. I, I do regret that. Yeah. So you asked me, okay, well, why don't you just give the synopsis of the movie? So Barbara and her obnoxious brother go to a Johnny. cemetery. Johnny, they go to the cemetery uh, to put a headstone on their father's on their father's tomb. And they, they've been on the road apparently. It's a six-hour road trip. Johnny is grumbling about it. Barbara's kind of indifferent about it. They're they're definitely a couple with a very contemptuous sort no, of relationship. A, a, a brother sister couple. Oh, okay. Who have like a really like you know kind of bratty kind of relationship. And moments after they get there, a zombie shows up, kills Johnny. Barbara's on the run. This zombie pursues her for for quite some time, and then she finds herself in a deserted farmhouse. Um, or and so she thinks. So she thinks. <clears throat> then next thing you know, Benjamin shows up. Uh, ben is played by Dwayne Jones, and uh, he's the only African-American actor in this film. Uh, so Barbara and Ben, who, by the way, is never identified by his name, they're in the farmhouse together, and they discover that in the basement, after some time fighting these zombies off all by themselves, there is... Let's be real. Ben's fighting the zombies, yeah. and Barbara is in some kind of weird PTSD trance. Yeah, she's she's you know she's in terrible shock. She saw her brother get killed. Suddenly, she lives in a world where zombies are a thing. They discover in the basement there is a sexy dumb couple... And the obnoxious, awful couple, the Coopers, uh, Mr. Cooper is, uh, well, we know he's evil because he's balding. He has terrible hair. No, the white, his wife isn't evil. His, his wife is fine. I mean, they're clearly like this, and she's beautiful and, and kind of extravagant for him. It seems like th- there's the indication that their marriage is falling apart, that she's like, this is just another reason for her to leave him. Um, because of the extremeness of the situation, she's seeing him for who he truly she is. She should have left him like a long time this. ago. Yeah. yeah, but they got a kid, which might have been the thing that kept them together. They got a little girl who was wounded in a zombie attack, and she's tending to her wounds and laying down in the basement. Uh, but now that everything is out in the open, you basically have six adults, the one little girl who's in the basement basically has a plot device, and these six adults decide whether or not they're going to work together to board up the house and come up with a plan to to either escape or, or just make it through the night. Yeah, and I was surprised when the people under the stairs finally came out because I was not expecting that. So that was a that was a fun twist, and... I didn't know that there were so many people because they're like they kind of come out like two at a time, and then you don't know yeah. who's all down there. So that was fun. Um, but when they finally come up with this plan, so Ben he ends up on the property because he finds this truck, and then the truck needs more gas, and he sees that there's like a gas pump at this farmhouse, but it's locked up, and then the zombies are coming, so that's how he ends up in the house. And they come up with this plan to kind of make Molotov cocktails and throw them at the zombies and then get in the truck, 
drive over, fill it up with gas, and then somehow get back to the farmhouse and get everybody in. Because they have figured out how to work the radio and the TV and they're, you know, we're hearing along with them what's going on, that there's these mass murderers out there and they don't know what happened and it might be radiation and, you know, now they want everybody to go to these different, you know, high schools and places where they can be protected by, you know, the military. And I was laughing because the dumb couple, um, the sexy dumb couple, the sexy dumb couple, you know, he's telling her, well, you know, we need to go. We need to think of a plan. And she's like, but why? Why do we have to go? We're safe here. And he's like, because the TV told us to. (laughs) (laughs) Like, wow, if that's not, you know, just a commentary on where we are. Yeah, it's very relevant. I, and I got to say, like, it's 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 an interesting part of the film because to kind of let me quickly say one of my favorite things about this movie. I mean, it's basically six adults trapped in a room together and you're basically seeing how fear affects all of them in a very different way. They're all dealing with this ridiculous situation very differently. They're aware that this is worldwide. They become very they become slowly but surely aware that uh, the dead are alive and that they are cannibals. And that there has something to do with um, with with space radiation. That that's probably probably why this thing happened in the first place. So they're aware of what's going on in some weird kind of disconnected way, but at the same time, they're all dealing with their fear differently. Um, some people like Barbara are shutting down. Mr. Cooper, um, who you know, making jokes about his hair. I mean, he's awful. He is just awful, the worst. And this guy, like. You know, on the one hand, he's very pass, he's very aggressive, but at the same time, he's doing that because he's just he's terrified. Um, so it's like he's like this self destructive sort of guy, and his wife, who seems like she's a pretty cool person, but at the same time, she's also <laughs> she's she you know she's dealing with the biggest monster, which is her husband, not the zombies, and of course the fear that her daughter's downstairs. The sexy couple, they're just dreamily looking to each other's eyes. They don't even seem to be completely aware of the zombie apocalypse. While Barbara is dealing with her with her thing but ben is like he is on it he has without even getting into the social commentary that this movie is clearly implying ben has clearly been up against a wall his whole life ben has clearly been dealing with you know not only uh, being oppressed and having to deal with the violence but you know having basically to think very quickly so he as as julia has indicated he puts together this plan and it's funny because it seems like it it's like yeah this is great this is this is going to be the part of the movie where we're going to move to a different location because he gives Mr. Cooper who is who is awful but somewhat competent the job of being on the second floor of the house great vantage point lighting Molotov cocktails and just throwing it out the window and as Julia said that's like the best job I and mean, that would have been my how job how fun is that yeah just to throw Molotov cocktails at zombies out of a second story window great but unfortunately sexy couple they kind of improvise mid through the job she ends up not wanting to leave her boyfriend, so she kind of at the last minute gets in the car with him. They go to this house. I guess we could spoil it. I mean, the movie did come out in 1968. Yeah, yeah. If you if you need spoiler alerts, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is not the podcast for that. Well, but the guy, so sexy guy, he tells Ben, I can drive the truck. And Ben's like, great. You know, he's like, I got this. And then his wife, sexy wife, she can't wait in the house for him. Like she has to go with him. And so she jumps in the truck and they drive to this gas pump 
And what happens? They light the <laughs> they basically light themselves on fire. On fire, yeah, because Ben has a flaming torch. It's been flaming this whole time. And they're they start the gas machine, but the gas is like going everywhere. He doesn't even park next to the gas pump like a normal person. He's like ten feet away. And then he starts <laughs> he sprays the gas just it's just on, spraying it everywhere. Like, like, whoa, whoa, I gotta got get this into the Yeah, and it just goes everywhere. Next thing you know, the truck's on fire. And they're dri- the young couple is just driving away like it's gonna it's gonna be yeah, okay. Yeah, like they drive away thinking maybe if we add more air to this, <laughs> maybe if we go faster, it'll we'll douse the flames. <laughs> and Ben, you know what? To Ben's credit, I would have been like, "What the no?" He just sort of puts a blanket down and tries to stamp it out. Yeah, yeah, it's. The thing about movies like this is like I always try to think, you know, I don't know what it's like to be, you know, I've had bad things happen to me, but not quite like this, obviously. So I try to give the benefit of the doubt to these characters when they do dumb things like hide in the closet or hide in the basement, whatever it is that, you know, dumb people do in dumb horror movies or, you know, or or great horror films. But in this case, like sexy dumb couple, what they do is so stupid. I I was... I just was dumbfounded. Yeah, there's there's I no way to apologize this for this. It's crazy. Like, this is insane. You know, and, and I don't know, like if if the indication is that they're just they're stupid young people. Because again, like they only seem somewhat concerned about the whole zombie thing. It really is like like, like let's just be together. We can't be apart. But what, I hope our parents. We can like let them know they're probably worried about us. Are we going to be able to call them? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. So, anyway, um, to no one's surprise, the truck bursts into flames. They're like, instantly dead. Like explode. The zombies are so happy. They they get this this free barbecue waiting for them. I mean, it's it's disgusting and uh, but inevitable. Yeah. And Ben, uh, yeah, does does not lose his. Yeah. His, yeah. Ben has to. He keeps his he keeps his act together. He's he firing the shotgun, makes his way back to the house, and of course, Mister Cooper doesn't uh, want to let tries him to lock him out. He's the worst. And then you know what? Ben just beats the crap out yeah, of Mr. Cooper. Which is, at least three which is times, oh, a thing which of beauty. Like, yes. Yeah. If, if there's ever a crowd pleasing moment in the movie, it's that. Major satisfaction. Yeah. 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 Well, you asked me what character I would be in this movie. And yeah. I really I have no idea. What what character do you think you would be? I, I, you know, I'd love to think that I would be like Ben, obviously, obviously who doesn't want to be Ben, but I think it'd probably be a little bit like Barbara. I've like, I just, I mean, you'd probably like, I don't know if I'd shut down or not. I'd mm. like to think that I wouldn't, um, because to think about the kind of, I mean, what this would be like, I mean, you know, I've never been in a bank robbery. I've never, you know, I've never been like mugged with a gun to my head. Or I mean, this is this is the kind of intensity we're talking about. Just like you kind of shut down. You go, I can't believe this is happening to me. And these characters are feeling it all the time. The situation is surreal. There's people dying all the time. Barbara is dealing with the death of her brother. Yeah, so I, I feel very sympathetic for these characters because the situation is so crazy. And life, you know, the the... You know, I mean, even some of the things that I've lived through, you know, I'm not going to name them, like, you know, tragedies and things I've seen on TV or, you know, things that where the world suddenly changed in front of us. This doesn't even compare because, you know, again, the the dead are rising from the grave. They're alive. And, and they want to eat you. And they're very hungry. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't think uh, I can say who I would be, but I would definitely be more on the Ben side of the spectrum than the Barbara side. 
I think I would be like, okay, we need to assess this situation. You know, if I got in the house and I was actually had a minute to think and pull my thoughts together, I would be yelling at Barbara too. Cause he was like, uh, help me get some wood, get some nails, you know? And then, you know, he ends up <laughs> punching her. Yeah. I, I love this. I mean, again, it's 1968. Uh, you know, I mean, give a whole history lesson, which I won't, but I mean, obviously the image of an African American man punching a white chick in the face <laughs> was not something you saw in most movies, even a horror film. Um, but, but again, like it's, it's, it's not exploitative. I, it is, it's, it's a character I moment and it's was, a good, I yeah, he he's trying to like snap her out. Exactly. Of it. It's not, yeah, yeah, it's not, again, it's not like exploitive in that way. Um, but yeah, it's because he he sticks up for her later on. Yeah, he's absolutely. Like, he's like, leave her alone, you know. Yeah, he does become like her caretaker. He, yeah. you know, and and they were the first ones. I mean, you know, they discovered each other and they're helping each other out. Well, he's mostly helping her out. She's doing nothing. Let's be like real. To, next to nothing in this movie. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Ben finally makes it back, punches out Mr. Cooper. <laughs> you know. Yeah. And the zombies are eating. They're happy. Yeah, the zombies have their barbecue. Graphically eating. Yeah, yeah. and they're. <laughs> So we're watching this news update yes. on the TV and I don't know, it's the middle of the night for these people and it's daytime on the broadcast. So I was confused about when it had, if it had been aired earlier in the day for them. But, um, this reporter asks, <laughs> he, he's talking to the police chief and he's asking him questions and he just asked him, are they slow? You know, like, are these killers slow? And the police chief says, yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just lost it. Chief, uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot them in the head. That's a sure way to kill them. If you don't get yourself a club or a torch, beat them or burn them, they go up pretty easy. Well, Chief McClellan, how long do you think it will take you until you get the situation under control? Well, that's pretty hard to say. We don't know how many of them there are. We know when we find them, we can kill them. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. It is a little inconsistent, not in a way that I think hurts the movie or hurts the lore of it, but this is always the thing why zombies have never scared me as um, as movie monsters which isn't to say this movie isn't scary it is and you would jumped a few times i still find this film frightening in a I, lot of ways well there were just a couple things that scared me you know there's a dead body in the house and then i don't know there was like one a other hand time. comes through the window you definitely didn't i mean there's a death scene we're going to talk about shortly which is pretty pretty horrifying yeah but overall it's it wasn't a movie where I had, you know, something over my face or anything like that. Okay. You know, okay. and and some of the acting, obviously, you know, where the women are like, oh, 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 you know, like they're, they're like kind of moving. Everyone, it feels like everyone's moving in slow motion a little bit. Yeah, to, to my point, um, zombies don't scare me because they're, they're you know, they're reanimated corpses. And obviously the corpses that are just coming back, I mean, obviously those are probably the best, most effective killing corpses. But when you think about this idea that they're, you know, they're coming out of the grave, they're, 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 they're coming out of the coffin or they're coming out of the mausoleum, whatever. I mean, like 
those joints and those limbs, they, they shouldn't be working that well. Zombies shouldn't be that much of a threat. The first zombie we see in this film, and the movie has a great callback to that. Uh, he's in the last scene of the film, too. The very first zombie that, that Barbara and her brother see stumbling around in the in the cemetery, he's very powerful. He's very strong. He's very fast. He's a quick killer. Yeah, but he's also wandering around the cemetery. Yeah, you think he's like, or, a, like a crazed hobo like, at first. Yeah, like you don't really know what... Yeah, which is a really nice misdirect. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the the zombies are, you know, again, like uh, this is not a a criticism against the film. I think it's pretty much a near perfect film. But uh, some of the zombies, you know, they're, you know, some of these extras, they've got really elaborate makeup on. They're like going full method. And some of these actors look like they just woke up and haven't showered in a couple (laughs) of days. And they just walked onto the set. And George Romero's like, that'll, yeah, you're a zombie. Great. You have bags under your eyes just just stare at the camera and walk around there oh that's good that's good and you don't have anything take your clothes off yeah perfect there's a naked zombie zombie who you know her power is nudity she doesn't do anything just walks (laughs) around being she's like a distraction for the other zombies (laughs) yeah so i don't know then we have oh the kid ben is asking the parents what happened to your daughter, you know? And cause they're trying to figure out another vehicle since his truck since exploded. Since sexy dumb couple destroyed the, yeah. <laughs> destroyed the getaway vehicle. And yeah. so they're like, well, our car is a mile away. You know, you're not going to be able to carry our daughter and all this nonsense. And so he said, well, what happened to her? And they said, well, she was bit by one of them. And he's like, ugh, disgusting. They probably have so many diseases. <laughs> Which I got to say is one of the most sensible things anyone's brought up in this movie. Ben is like, okay, your daughter got bit by one of these things. She probably at the very least has rabies or or something really, really bad. Yeah, um, yeah like he gets it immediately that this is going to be a problem. And of course, the film takes it to a very nightmarish level. Um, there is a murder scene that happens where the little girl is reanimated. She takes a garden tool, murders her mother. I counted. I'd never counted before. She stabs her 14 times. Yeah, it's... It's intense. It's grisly stuff. Yeah, it really is. And even I was like, okay, this is getting really bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you're like, okay, now it's bad. Now it's bad. Now the daughter's When the cute little girl is... <laughs> murdering her mom. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's awful. Yeah. Now we're getting close to the end. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's you know, I love this film because it, it takes off immediately. Julia was going into the kitchen to like get get her something to drink, and she's like, "You, you want some chocolate covered almonds?" I'm like, no, come come back, watch. I'm like, you, you gotta see the beginning because because like this movie, even though it does have dialogue, it doesn't have a lot. And I'm just like, like the, the you gotta watch this movie from beginning to end because like it takes off like a rocket. I mean, there's only like three minutes of dialogue. The zombies show up, and then it's it's this great pursuit. I love the scene of Barbara escaping to the house in a car with no keys in it. And then you know, there's there's a bit of talking in in the house about what they're gonna do. But really, I mean, this this is you know, it it's it works like an action movie. A slow motion action movie. Well, yeah, because the threat is, yeah. you know, they're taking their time, but they, you know, they are taking their time. But yeah, eventually the zombies kind of decide to break into the house, and then everybody either has to retreat to the basement or they get killed, and we're just end up with one character. 
Good old Ben. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. Like, it didn't do anything for you. It's always, it always bothered me that that Barbara basically eats it because her brother. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, she sees her brother uh, in, in the horde of zombies. She's like Johnny, and of course, you know Johnny isn't wearing his glasses, but he's ghoulish, and he. Well, yeah, I mean, takes she her. wanted to go out and save him, but of course, Ben punches her and says no. <laughs> It's the only way to get across to Barbara, apparently. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really sad. I thought so. I mean, that's 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 probably the image that's always bothered me the most. That it goes full circle back to her brother, and you know, and it's like these characters are not acting rationally because, for example, you know, the mother isn't going to part with her daughter. Uh, you know, um, Barbara, whole, her whole thing is like, we got to go back and find my brother. It's like, there's this human aspect to this that over, you know, it's like, and, that, and that's the thing about zombies in general, I should say, you know, we're not talking about werewolves or vampires. I mean, these are people, these are human beings. I think all the women basically die because they're attached to a family member. Yes. Yes. That's basically how it happens. I completely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, who's the film professor now? <laughs> if you want to teach my students, you go right ahead. I'm just kidding. No, but that's exactly why. No, 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 you're right about that. And yeah, and the men are like they're they're kind of like working out their traditional male roles and it's not working. Or or it's just like it's it's a reverse because clearly in a typical movie, sexy young guy would be the star. Yeah. He would be the lead. Um in, a, in, in 1968, Ben would probably be told to, you know, he would probably, you know, to use a terrible term, he'd probably be, be put in his place or he'd be told like, you know, like, no, like, you know, you're, you're going to listen to us and do what we say. Yeah, but Ben takes control. He well, says, that's the wonderful thing about it. No, Ben is... you're going to be in the, in the upstairs. And yeah. He's like, I'm in charge of the upstairs. You go you go to the basement. Right. And you be in charge of the basement. He's, a, he's an empowered African-American yeah. man. And most importantly, I mean, he's a really smart man. So the, the film, you know, again, it's like it's, it's reversing expectations for the way this role will be treated in most movies at this point in time. And then meanwhile, Mr. Cooper normally would be like this loving father figure what's great about mr cooper not only is he not that at all when he exits the film nobody reacts at all like it's not even the tragedy of like the loss of life even his even his wife is like oh well (laughs) i mean even the camera doesn't linger on him yeah he's just sort of left in the corner (laughs) yeah yeah i gotta say like it's it's great you can almost feel the movie's contempt for this character Yeah, yeah definitely so then we see all of the police and the search parties. And yeah, it's the next morning. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. going through and and yeah. they're trying to find alive people, but they're trying to kill all the zombies and then burn them. Because mm-hmm. they decided headshots and burning are the only way to get rid of them right. for good. Yeah. So, you know, Ben's in the basement and he's hearing dogs barking and he's hearing gunshots and he's kind of waking up and he's thinking... He's the lone survivor. Yeah, I I survived this. I'm going to get out of here. Yes, and all too quickly, he uh, goes upstairs. He has a shotgun in hand. He looks out the window and one of the men uh, searching uh, for, for signs of life just instinctively takes a gun and shoots him in the head and the film ends. Yeah. Yeah. And I... Yeah, there's no way he could. He saw this guy's face when he shot him. He just saw movement, knew there was a person in there, and didn't know if it was a zombie or a human, and just took him out. There's also the possibility that he just saw a black man and decided, bang. You know what? 
I think you'd mentioned that to me before, and I just don't... You don't see it? No, I don't see it, because he was in the shadows inside this house, and the windows were still partially boarded up. I just don't think that that cop... He is the one African-American man in this entire film. Yeah, I know that, During the 60s, and you know what I mean? I don't think... I feel like that the guy who shot him was too far away, and... Just the way the lighting, I mean, maybe because it, 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 maybe if the movie was in color, I would like see it differently, but it seems like he was really in the shadows inside of that room with the boards. It, you think the, they were just firing at movement in general? Yeah. Okay. I, I think they, they real, they thought there was some, something in there. And I don't think he saw who or what. You know, it's a plausible interpretation because they do, there's a montage of shots where, I mean, literally shots where you're seeing how these guys in broad daylight are just shooting people in the distance walking around. And a couple of times I wonder, like, did anybody bother to check, like, you know, if like Maud escaped from the old folks home? Like, there's some, there's some, like, you know, I mean, they're just shooting anything that moves in the distance slowly. And I'm thinking, like, do they check? Are they sure? Yeah. So I, I think, I think to your point, that that could very well be that. Just at this point, these guys, I mean, as I've indicated, I mean, I'm sure they've probably been up all night, you know, and they're probably just trigger happy at this point. Exactly. And they're hoping to just be done with this whole situation. So, because when you had told me the ending, I don't know, years ago. I'm amazed you even remembered the ending. I know. I thought he came out on the porch Mm. and was then shot. And so then I was thinking, oh, maybe there is an argument that there is is racism involved you know, as well as this zombie thing. But I, after seeing it, I don't think so. Well, what do you make of the final moments? The the end credits kick in, but then it's a, it's a photo montage of how they dispatch of the body and they burn the body. I mean, I think the imagery, and I know Romero was certainly making uh, a commentary because his movies are all social commentary. He makes zombie movies and disguises the, the zombies of the Trojan horse for what he really wants to talk about. In this case, you know, the final moments, I mean, it, you know, I think you can say that it is pretty, you know, pretty explicit that he's trying to make the comment about, you know, violence against African-Americans and violence against human beings in general at this point in time. At this point in time, we're not only talking 68 about civil rights, we're talking about Vietnam, we're talking about the protests, we're talking about all sorts of bad stuff happening in this country, which unfortunately we've come full circle to. Um, I didn't have any strong feelings or thoughts at the during the ending photo montage i don't know so you don't see the social commentary then the in terms of talking about race relations you don't see it in this film no i'm not saying that i think what you said was right on i just don't think that he was shot because he was black and you know and to maybe to your point too i mean the movie doesn't really make the observation verbally that he's african-american yeah nobody says anything nobody says anything there is the line where mr cooper you know some people have said like that's interesting where uh where benny's taking charge he's telling him to get in the basement (laughs) me and me and sexy young guy will take care of this you just stay in the basement and um mr cooper looks at him and goes like you bastards and it's not indicated whether he's just talking about the two of them or if he's talking about black people in general people have said like well you could maybe maybe that was his way of of you know yeah, the movie, otherwise, they never make reference to, to Ben's race. Yeah, which is fine. Which is also the sign of a progressive filmmaker, because this is... 
because most mean, movies at this point would not only make a point of it, but you know, uh, treat it in a way that's really, really cartoonish and cliched. Yeah, I found it actually refreshing that they didn't really make a big deal about it. Like Ben was just, you know, he's telling his story about what happened to him, and he ends up in this farmhouse just like all the rest of these people, which is completely po- plausible to any real life situation. I mean, who knows if something happened in real life and you were in the middle of nowhere and there was some house, you could end up in a house with any, anybody, you know, man, woman, child, Mm -hmm. any race, whatever. So I, I kind of liked that he just kind of, that was his decision that he went with it and Ben was in charge and that's just the way that it was. And Romero was definitely making, you know, again, like in a, thing, in a, in a very smart way, he was making a progressive decision of just like, hey, I'm just, I'm going to have this actor in this role and it's going to be, you know, it's going to be a role that you don't normally see an African-American man yeah. in at all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and it's, it's, you know, it's funny now we go like, well, this is, this is, this is the thing. This is, this is typical for, for most movies. But in '68, I mean, unless your name was Sidney Poitier, you were if you were a man of color, you were not the star of the movie, unless it was a black exploitation film, which came later. Yeah. So, yeah. I do think you could probably opine about all sorts of like messages about what the movie's trying to say, but I think just on a surface level, it's just a really good horror zombie movie. And you think I it's, did you do you think it's good? You like it? Yeah. I mean, I don't. Okay, zombies are the least scary to me. I feel like, the same way. We've talked about this. Yeah. I've never, I don't know. Werewolves bother me more, although I've always said if I could be a monster, I would definitely want to be a werewolf. I can't think of anything cooler than turning into like a seven foot tall dog <laughs> with, with superhuman strength. I'm like, okay, my problem is I have a lot of fur and I like to eat meat. It's like, no, I could I could make that work. I think vampirism is a much bigger problem because you have to murder people at least once a day. You have to drink blood, which is gross. Yeah. And, you know, you can shape shift, which I think is probably more of a hassle than anything. Um, yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't, I don't know. I, <laughs> We've watched a lot of like comedy zombie horror movies. Yeah, that's true. Like I took you to see Shaun of the Dead when it was in the theater. Yeah. And I think I showed you Warm Bodies, which yeah. is also a zombie love com a love yeah. story. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, yeah, I don't think I would be hard pressed to think of another actual zombie movie I've ever had you watch. And honestly, like I'm a real snob about these movies. Um, George A. Romero is the director of Night of the Living Dead. My my. F- what I've been saying for years, and most people think it's obnoxious when I say this, I, for me, the other zombie movies just don't matter. I think his are the ones that matter because, again, his movies, he's using zombies to talk about He did more society. zombie movies? He sure did. Oh, wow. After, I mean, he's done a lot of different kinds of films. He did Creepshow and The Dark Half, great films, but uh, primarily horror. But no, he um, after this, he, uh, in 1978, so this is 10 years later, he did Dawn of the Dead, which is this movie in a shopping mall. So you've got uh, zombies. I mean, it's 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 didn't dark. Didn't I see the remake of that? You might have, and it's not that. I don't think it's that great, but people yeah. love it. But yeah, the zombies are kind of you know brainlessly walking around a mall, which is a total comedy about consumerism. He did a Day of the Dead, which is set in a military uh, military base, which I'm not crazy about, though it has its fans. Um, my one of my favorites is Land of the Dead, which was very much about uh, the uh, George W. Bush presidency and. Um, Dennis Hopper is, is like the stand-in for W. Um, I think it's a wonderful film. Simon Baker and, and um, 
John Leguizamo and Aja Argento are in it. I think it's a wonderful film that came out in 05. He did, let's see, Diary of the Dead, which I think is the found footage one. And then I think there's one more. I think it's like Island of the Dead. I think wow, that, that one wasn't very too good. too many yeah, of the deads. But I don't know. Like, But every time, <laughs> the thing is though, every time he made these movies, they were always, again, like always talking about what was important to him, what's going on in society. The way... You know, the way Rod Serling or Gene Roddenberry used science fiction to talk about society and talk about the things that were pressing with them. Romero used zombies, and I've always loved that about him. And that's why I don't think any of the other zombie movies matter. I think his are the only that matter. We just lost this guy. And, you know, we just lost Romero recently. And, and I just think, like, well, somebody else has to step up because, I mean, I liked World War Z, but I just, I don't. Oh, yeah. It's a, I think it's a very good movie, but you know, I don't think it really matters the way Night of the Living Dead does, and I don't think yeah. it has. I mean, I think it's again, I, I you know, it's more of an action movie than anything, and I think it's great as an action movie, and it's fine as a Brad Pitt vehicle, and it's very well done. But I mean, how you know, I only think of that movie because like, oh yeah, it's that one hundred million dollar zombie movie they made. Yeah. So going back to the ending, though, really quick. Yes. How would you have felt if Ben had lived? Like if he had come out of that house and they and was like, "Don't shoot! I'm I'm a person," or whatever. How do you think the commentary would be different? Uh, I I don't know if I would buy it um, because this movie is about the loss of human life. I mean, in the I mean, the movie begins in a cemetery. Mm-hmm. One of the something I. I always thought was interesting was that as the you know the opening credits begin and it's it's they're not particularly fancy or stylish opening credits but the last credit directed by George A. Romero it's on an American flag it's a uh, one of the one of the tombstones has an American flag waving on it so it's like you know again I, I think Romero is is kind of setting the table that this movie is, is a representation or a metaphor of where we were or again where we are but also I mean because the movie begins in a cemetery somebody dies in the first three minutes and it's a character it's one of the two characters we've just met we're just getting to know and we do like him on some level because he's he's entertaining he's interesting no we don't I mean, it's not like Mr. Cooper where we're just counting this, counting the minutes till he dies. We, no. we care about the him. The only thing I said about Johnny was, wow, this guy complains a lot. In any case, it's her brother. It's tragic. It is tragic. So my, my point being is that- I feel bad but, for Barbara, but- Yeah, we should feel bad for Barbara. She's watched her brother die. So my point is that I, I don't think an optimistic ending would have worked. I think it might have mm. felt like a cop-out- I think a better ending would be that Ben escapes on the run. I don't think I buy an ending where he's, you know, working with the local sheriff department. No, I'm not saying that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I think Ben. I mean, I, I would love to think about an ending where, you know, Ben could have could have, you know, let's, gotten a car let's, and let's driven do off. That ending. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to touch perfection. No, I don't want to mess with this movie. Plus, th- I'm not going to give him any dialogue. It's it's Night of the Living Dead. This movie, the best scenes of this movie are you know. Yeah, I think if I could change the ending, Ben would have fallen asleep in the basement, and, and he wakes up and it's all a dream. No. Uh, and everybody is at the Thanksgiving table, like Ben, we saved you a spot. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Mr. Cooper's like, we're so glad you're here, Ben. We just love you. Happy Thanksgiving there, buddy. Oh, my gosh. No. that's. And the little girl is like, you know, Uncle Ben, every time the bell rings, an angel gets its wings. Wow. This is getting well, that's worse right. and worse. That's right. Stop. <laughs> With the twist ending, there's a knock at the door. They open the door. 
And there's a freeze frame of the zombies. Okay, that is not. It's a I great mean. ending. That's yeah, the thinking. double twist dream ending. The yeah. Double twist dream. Okay, no, my ending. Okay. Would be Ben falls asleep. Okay. He doesn't hear the search party. Okay. He he just is he's blissfully asleep because he's so tired from all his zombie fighting. From dealing with with from plus slapping Barbara and Mr. Cooper. Yeah, yeah. He, all the slaps. <laughs> and just being so pissed at sexy young couple. Yes. And then they, you know, they clean up everything outside and they leave. And then he finally wakes up and he walks out of the house and just, it walks off into the field and just starts his life over. That's just, that's it. Hmm. Interesting. Because I mean, I mean, the indication is that the zombies are everywhere. I mean, does he, is he a mountain man? I mean... No, no. The zombies have all been taken out by the National Guard. You think? That's what they... Yes. I mean, do you really... Th- I don't know. I, I No. No. Okay. I think they're trying. I don't think they've... You don't think they've succeeded But in your yet. version, but to, but to go back to... It, it's your version. So if your version of it is that this is like this is like the end of Stephen King's The Mist, where the threat is being eliminated, the military's in the run. Yeah, yeah. The threat okay. has been um, neutralized, okay. as it were. Yes. And yeah, there's probably still a few rogue zombies out there, but Ben's not going to encounter them. He's going to, you know, maybe he has a wife and kids somewhere. Maybe they survived. I don't know. Maybe he's going back home. Hmm. That sounds like the plot of World War Z. You know, this whole idea of personalizing the the zombie movie, making it about, you know, the the need to to protect one or two Mm. while hundreds around you die. Yeah. Yeah. I know. But you do get attached to Ben. Very much. he's the only one who has a good head on his shoulders. Yeah, and Dwayne Jones, who plays him, I think is wonderful in this movie. Um, Everybody, I think, is quite good. I mean, sometimes the performances are either too little or too much. Um, you you kind of wonder if these are like stock theater actors, you know, who like Romero was trying to find anybody he could. But I, I think everyone, for the most part, does what is required of them quite well. But yeah, Dwayne Jones, I do feel like, you know, I mean, he this this is his milestone as an actor in in movies. But I, I think he's quite good in this. Yeah, agreed. Okay, so it basically ended the way it needed to end. I think so. I I, I just yeah. I don't know if hope is the right thing. One of the, my favorite things about horror films, um, and I haven't told my students this yet because you know it goes either way. And but I do want to eventually get to this. I feel like there's an honesty to them. Because horror movies don't hold your hand and tell you it's all going to be okay. They don't. And they do the opposite. And I think that's one of the things about them that's so valuable. Wow. That's depressing, though. Uh, <laughs> how many times have I seen a romantic comedy and it's like, they live happily ever after. And I'm thinking, no, they don't. What happened? Oh, like this? Like, okay. Like, so in Us Love Dogs, they like their dogs love each other. And wow, now they're walking the away. That's the example ever. <laughs> Well, even when Harry met Sally, like, are they really going to be together forever? Come on. I, I think I like the idea of an ellipsis, not the end, period, but an ellipsis, this idea of like, well, then like. Even when Harry met Sally is an ellipsis. Maybe, but I mean, they end up together. Yeah, of course they end up together. I'm not saying and I they, don't want them to be together. I'm just saying like. And they talk about their wedding, but like, you know, we don't know what actually happens after that. 
I just, I think, I mean, you know, and it's interesting, of course, I mean, these two genres could not be more dissimilar, but I mean, I know, like, we're talking about, like, my favorite genre and your favorite genre. I'm just saying the thing about your favorite genre that I don't like is the optimism, the blind optimism. I think the best romantic comedies end in a sense of uncertainty and also, you know, just a little bit of reality as opposed to, like, everything is going to be great. It's great. Everything is great. You can go home. They're great. Don't worry. They're still together forever of all time. It's great. Okay. Yeah. Go to your car. I know, but sometimes real life is the horror movie and you need some blind optimism. But, you know, one of the things, one of the appeals of horror movies is that you see these films and it's a cathartic experience. You scream, you feel, you know, you're, you're tense up and then it's over. It's like, Ah, it's like you get yeah, off the roller coaster. And you have nightmares for the rest of the no, night. No, you watch the movie. You live vicariously through the characters. You go, okay, I would never be like stupid, sexy, dumb couple. I would never be like, I would never be hanging with Mr. Cooper. I want to be a Ben. <laughs> I want to be a Ben. That is the goal. Like in life, we all need to be Bens. We need to take charge. We need to think clearly. We need to think about what the next thing is. Well, we need to stick up for those who are incapable of defending themselves. Those who are so crippled with fear. She's on the couch just staring at the embroidery. Yeah, um, yeah. That's so sad. Now Ben's the man, and like you know, he's 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 a stand-up guy, and definitely a role model. Not only because he's a, a you know a, a rare, sharp, smart African American in the 1960s, in a time when movies didn't feature that, but also because he's a cool cat in general, and he's clearly the one guy in this movie who's going to make it to the end until <laughs> until he doesn't. <laughs> Even you actually want him to make it in the end. Well, of course, but that's that's the appeal of the movie. You know, that's that's one of the that's one of the things that makes the movie so powerful because life sometimes isn't fair, and it's not fair at the end of Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, that's true. And it wasn't fair for the filmmakers. Fun fact: they shot it under a different title, uh, Night of the Flesh Eaters. That was the title they put the copyright on. They decided to change the title to Night of the Living Dead, a little more mainstream, not so gross. Um, they could actually like put newspaper ads as opposed to Night of the Flesh Eaters, which people are going like, I'm not going to put that in a family newspaper. So Night of the Living Dead opens and it's like, you know, drive-ins, midnight movies. I mean, it, it was a blockbuster, played in theaters for years and years, but they didn't copyright the name Night of the Living Dead. So the movie went into public domain. George A. Romero, everybody involved, nobody made any money off this movie. Yeah. Let that be a lesson to you, future filmmakers listening. Copyright the name of your movie. It's very, <laughs> very, very important. And it's interesting too because Don't just put it on YouTube. <laughs> well that's and that's it's crazy because like right now, I mean, you know, people have remade this film shot by shot. They have there are colorized versions of it, there's three D versions, there are there are versions of this movie that are just should not be out there. But I mean, yeah, you could find so many versions of this movie that, that exist. Because, uh, yeah, because of that botch, they remade this film, Romero and uh, some of the original team members and producers, just with the whole plan of like, we're going to make a version of this movie that makes some money. In 1990, they did a, did a color remake of it. And it's, it's good, but it flopped. So it's like this movie, for all the success it brought, um, that success was never, you know, with its creators. It's kind of a bummer. Yeah, that is a bummer. Yeah. I do feel bad about that. Yeah. But let that just be a lesson to all of us in the future to copyright our stuff. <laughs> That's the lesson of Night of the Living Dead. Is there something that Ben could have done at the end of the movie that could have saved him, you think? You know... Was it a bad move on Ben to like be optimistic after you know being the pessimistic realist for most of the movie? Well, he, 
he d- he comes out of the basement very cautiously. Yeah, it's and he's not, got a gun in hand. Yeah, it's not like he's like busting out the door. Should he have stayed in the basement? Should he have, you know? I don't know. I think he should have maybe called out to them. And I'm not a, <laughs> <laughs> not dead, not dead. I'm alive or yeah. something. Maybe that would have made a difference. Hmm. But who's to say? You've already made up your mind that this is how it needed to be. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, do you like this movie? I do like this movie. I'm surprisingly, I did. I'm I'm surprised I liked it. So that's great. Yeah, because I'm I'm surprised too. Frankly, um, thank you for watching. You know, thank you for doing my homework with me. I appreciate it. And You're welcome. There's a lot more to talk about, but we could certainly wrap it up because it it is late. Did and- I help you with your lecture for next week? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think one of the things to talk about, again, not only are the socio-political things about this movie, which, of course, is something I'm going to latch on to, because, again, it's 1968. No, and I and, think you should for your class. Maybe, yeah. Maybe not right now. Well, no, not right this second. Okay. I'm just, what I'm saying is, like, watching with you and talking to you about this, it helps me kind of get into the mindset of what I'm going to be talking to them about. And also, I mean, I... gauge what your students are going to say. Because they're going to be like me. They've only just seen it one time. There, yeah, because there will be students who have never seen this before. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Most of my students, I suspect, have not only seen Shaun of the Dead and World War Z and 28 Days Later and 28 Weeks Later and all those films. Um, but, you know, zombie movies are, you know, it's it's old hat. It's a cliche. Most people, is a, is a it's a big word and it's a huge generalization. But seriously, most people believe in a zombie apocalypse I've, and we've known people, yeah. yeah, who really genuinely believe in a zombie apocalypse that's coming. Oh, that reminded me of the of the one zombie comedy that I love, which is I can't remember. With um, what's it about? No, with, maybe I could help you. With, I've seen a few of these things, <laughs> like the Double Tap, Zombie Land, Zombie Land. There you go. Duh. There you go. Yeah. So my students are familiar with yeah. all these things. They've probably seen Zombieland. I, like many me times. I'm sure they. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. And they've seen the sequel too. And in this case, you know, this is this is the one that basically started. As I was telling you before the movie started, there have been movies about zombies prior to this, but this is the movie that set forth the idea that they are definitely undead ghouls. They are corpses and they are cannibals. I mean, Romero put that in motion, and every movie that dealt with zombieism subsequently owes everything to Night of the Living Dead. And on that note, you guys, we're going to go to bed, and thank you for hanging out with us. Yeah, so uh, whether you're listening to this on Halloween or uh, on Christmas, uh, happy holidays. (laughs) Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all. (laughs) Thanks, everybody.